Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast, or shall I say, welcome to Fright Night for real. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've been waiting to do that all week, and I'm so glad that I I had that (laughs) stupid little chance to do it. Uh, With me, as always, is Steven Taylor. How are you two doing? Doing all right. Since last week. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) doing all right. Um, yeah, if you couldn't tell from my amazing intro there, we're talking about Fright Night from 1985, although I'm sure we're also going to have discussions on the sequel as well as the remake as well, because it's just kind of natural with this movie, but, uh, primarily we've talked about the, the original, uh, the official summary of Fright Night is when a teenager tells people that his next door neighbor is a vampire, nobody believes him. Therefore, he requests the assistance of Peter Vincent, a has-been horror film actor, to solve this crisis. Which Peter Vincent is a combination of Peter Cushing and Vincent Price. Yes, so, fun little fun. and it, and and played by the indomitable Roddy McDowell, oh. who. It doesn't appear in the flash in this movie for 35 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you could tell he kind of fills a similar role to other, like Halloween had, uh, what's his name, who played? Loomis. Um, yeah. Donald Pleasance. You kind of have like that kind of actor. He feels like he's filling in that kind of role, but it also feels so much more natural considering the nature of the story and all that. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh why we chose it. This was a listener submitted one, but it was also one that I've seen pop up a few times requested. And I was like, yeah, we got to talk about Friday night because Friday night's so good. Yeah, it um, is. So it was a no brainer to cover it eventually. And I think pairing it with the blob was good too, because the blobs just, both of these are just such great eighties horror movies. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, first time watch, uh, when Taylor, when was the first time you watched this? Was this for the podcast or have you seen this before? Um, I saw the remake in theaters and I loved it instantly, but I did not watch the original. So the original I've seen for the podcast, but the remake I have seen and loved for a long time already. So it was, it was honestly really good. And I, I was a little worried that having seen and really liked the remake that the, it would take away from the original Mm. but honestly this is just this is just like a really good vampire movie like there's i have no complaints really about this movie at all it it's a lot of way in a lot of ways it's like a reinvention of the vampire story where there's a lot of familiarity but they're definitely modernizing it and making it more interesting like there's a few kind of things they debunk there's a few things they add to the mythos it's interesting Mm -hmm. that like it's it's their sort of interpretation on a on a Mm -hmm. classic story yeah, uh, Steve. How about you? Was the first time you watched Fright Night? Honestly, I honestly I've seen this movie so many times. I honestly can't remember when the first time I saw it was. Probably sometime in the in the early '90s, um, on my horror discovery tour. Um, like Taylor, I saw the remake in theaters. Craig Gillespie knocks it out of the park. Um, 
but honestly i think the 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 how great the remake is i think is just an a testament of how great the 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 template of this movie is mm-hmm. already like there's not a lot of change in that they change sensibilities to match colin farrell that that chris sarandon that chris sarandon has his own way of playing jerry than 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 colin farrell did mm-hmm. um and uh the only thing i could say that has improved uh in the remake is i like anton yelchin and and chris mintz plus and and uh immigrant poots much more than i like all three of the younger actors in this first movie mm. i think uh, their relationships are, are a little more i don't know the right word for it but their relationships just seem a little bit better in the remake yeah well and amy seems so confused even in the very first scene in this movie like she is all over the place yeah um yeah i i i talking about the remake i do like like it i do think those three are better uh because yeah yeah i think if i'm i haven't seen seen the remake in a while but doesn't christopher mince play evil ed basically yes he does yes he does yep yeah okay i can see him more more as a type than than this um but i'm gonna say it right here Stephen godfrey is fucking annoying in this movie He's so I, fucking annoying. I made a note at some point, being like, "What this? Who is this friend guy? Why? Who, why is he friends with this guy? He's like talking about killing people already, and he's not even because I knew the plot going into it because I had seen the sequel. So like, he he's already talking about killing people and kind of acting kind of psycho, and he's not even a vampire yet. Like, I don't well, understand this character at all. Yeah. <laughs> is he his friend? Because he is really not super nice to Charlie. No. That's kind of what it seemed like at first, because they were like, it seemed like they were hanging out or something at one point. But then they they definitely seem like there's some antagonistic tension going on at some point, too. Like, yeah. especially when he goes to him for help with the vampire. It's like, well, why should I help you? And it's like, that's a good question. Why should he help him? What? Who are these people? I don't understand yeah. what they are. Yeah, and, and 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 the one thing I wanted to say about both a- uh, all three actors in this one is they all feel like a step away from forty years old. Like you can see what they <laughs> look like in the like a, like an age up photo. Like and, and Amanda Beers is the oldest out of all of them in this because I think she was twenty six or twenty seven when they made this one, so they had to age her down uh, quite a bit. Uh, but like, yeah, I I mean. And it's it's sad because uh, Stephen Godfrey would go on to do Nine Seven Six Evil, which is like such an underrated classic little horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I I got sick of Ed very quickly on this watch around because I haven't seen the movie in a long time. But yeah, I was like, oh, this this character is really bothering me. Sadly, I think probably the main standout of the cast is Chris Sarandon. And oh, he's the he's amazing in it. Uh, and and his. Um, and his helper, I love, I love the way he plays uh, the detective when the detective comes in to look around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny because that was the actor's uh, audition scene, and he decided to play it comedically, and that's why he got the role. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, I, I, you know, a lot of this you got to hand back to Tom Holland because Tom Holland is. Just adding so much style and substance to this movie that excels on, on on all of that alone. Like like we were saying before, 
there's just something classic about this one, well as well as e- uh, reinventing it as uh, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's just something about Fright Night being made in 1985 that is still timeless when you watch it now. Yeah, honestly, it's it's almost like I like it because there's a progression. Almost, it's like this first Fright Night. Um, the, the 80s Fright Night is like a modernized vampire. They still have all the tropes and they still have all the stuff that should make it seem very cliche, but mm. it doesn't. Like, it's still so... It's a cool movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you watch yeah. it and you're you're lo- looking at Jerry in his trench coat and you're like, damn, like, he's a bad guy, but he looks cool. And yeah. then the remake um, with Anton... Uh, oh my god, I don't even... Can't even Anton Yelchin? Yeah. Um, they, it's like they take that and they modernize it even a little bit more, but it still works and it's still that same cool atmosphere. And I just think both of them, like, especially this one, like that sets up the, this vampire lore. Oh, it's just, it, it does it so well without being cheesy. And I'm Mm -hmm. very impressed by that. Yeah. I do say, I do slightly prefer Chris Sarandon to Colin Farrell in the role. Just because I feel like Chris Sarandon just really hams it up, but in a good way. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I, he, I, I would agree because the scene, the first when the when, um, when the mom calls her, oh, I have someone for you to meet. This is Jerry. He lives next door. Like that scene, uh, between the remake and the original, Chris Sarandon's is infinitely better. Yeah. Uh, Especially that, just that tension. He plays it so well, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I, I, a lot of it, I, I think, also comes across uh, that the fact that Chris Carandon uh, is classically trained as a stage actor. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I, I I think that the over the top nature of all those things just works so well with the character of Jerry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was gonna say he plays a very classy vampire as opposed to the Colin Farrell vampire in, mm-hmm. in the remake. Yeah, he's he, he's he's a much classier guy. You could see Chris Sarandon romancing a woman easily, but the Colin Farrell one, I'm like, that's a bit of a stretch. You know, not yeah, every he's a bit grosser for sure. <laughs> yeah, not every girl's gonna fall for Colin Farrell. Every girl would fall for Chris Sarandon. I feel like. Um. Yeah, first time I watched this movie, oh my gosh. I just remember going into the, the video store and seeing the cover mm-hmm. and knowing nothing about the about the movie, just seeing how cool the cover was. I was like, I need to print this movie. And it was amazing. I, I remember watching it just being so, so advanced by it um, and just thinking how cool Chris Sarandon was. Although, it's weird because every time you see him, he always has, has a sweater on. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you open the top of the stairs, he's got a sweater. He's in the nightclub, different sweater. He he always like a sweater for for every Asian. And when I was a kid, I noticed that, and I was just always like, huh, that, that's got a lot of sweaters. But I like it. I'm here for it. Um, um he's a sweater vampire. Yeah, you know what? He uh, he wants to be styled, style, so he always has his sweaters. Um, he's a vampire <laughs> with a little bit of chill to him. Yeah. Uh, we got a few emails again. Very popular movie, so we got a f- quite a few people emailing. emailing uh, Kyle says, "How do you feel about the sequel and the remake?" Well, the sequel, sequel we'll touch on this in the next sequel, but the sequel was very problematic. It definitely, definitely, it's very hard to find it nowadays. It was hard to even find it before it found release. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um. So, but it was directed direct by, um, he did Halloween three. I always forget forget him. He also did the it, it TV movie as well. Not Tommy Lee Wallace, is yeah. it? Yeah. He did uh, the same one. Um. I I've seen it. It's on YouTube. Funny enough, so you can, so you can watch the whole thing on there. It's otherwise impossible to find. It's mm-hmm. it's not bad, but it def they drop a lot of the characters, and I think that was my main problem with the sequel because they drop the girlfriend. Uh, I think they 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 drop a lot of the characters, and like it just it feels like a half half ass sequel in a lot of ways to me. Like it just doesn't have all of the elements that makes Fright Night work. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the story feels largely redundant. Like, they bring in the sister of Jerry for the sequel, and it's, yeah. it's just not that great. But uh, No, they, and and they... I, I mean, because Todd Holland had a totally different idea for... Because he's, he's spoken about it many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he wanted to do more... Uh, a more, like, like do... He, his original story uh, idea was almost like more recent, probably in the last ten years or so, and he wanted to have uh, Bill Ragsdale move back. You know, he inherits his mom's house, moves in with the kids, or whatever, and then his kids noticed uh, that there's somebody next door uh, living in the house, and blah blah blah. That you know, much like the Jerry idea, but it's Evil Ed who's never left the house. Oh, that would have been interesting. Would have been way cool. better. Would have been way better. And uh, I, I ultimately, he couldn't find any studio funding to do it. But yeah, I totally would have thought that would have been a better, way better way to go. Yeah. Um. Also, too, the seek the remake is good, but then there's a sequel to the remake that was awful. I remember that much. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they they did the same thing. They went the the feet. They went the the lady vamp route, and they it's they don't play off lore, and that's the that's the biggest problem when it comes to all these things. You're not you're not playing off the strengths mm. of, of what you were already working with. Did you hear that Tom Holland's actually working on a script that's the direct sequel to Fright Night? Oh, I'm so into it. Hopefully, that's the one I the one I was just saying because yeah. I. I would love to see that. Fright Night 2 is in the works from the original movie's writer and director whose script may retcon 1988's Fright Night Part 2. Retcon's Ooh. the new thing now, right? Yeah. Retcon's hot. So, yeah, pull it off. And I, you know I'm what? Totally... I don't know if you can, but maybe bring back Chris Sarandon as as Jerry. I'd be, you know what? He, it'd, he'd be a little too old for it, but fuck it. I would be here for it. I, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, they can, they can bring him back as like a cameo style. I don't know, have him as some kind of old vampire or something like that. I think that would still be cool, but I'm I'm excited that at least the... I mean, if they're retconning an old bad movie, then I'm excited for it regardless. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, I agree. And There's also something interesting um, about Jerry's death in, uh, in, in Fright Night, that, that whole skeleton rig and everything, mm. because that was made for a, another movie. Ghostbusters. Yes, that's right. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was a it was a completely like yeah, completely made rig uh meant to use yeah, in a high budget movie and they just basically borrowed it. They're like, "Oh, well this didn't get used and it it cut money off of their budget huge to to reuse it." So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. 
So apparently this new Fright Night movie is called Fright Night Resurrection. And apparently brings back Charlie, Evil Ed, uh, as well as Billy Cole and Jerry Dandridge. So. Wow. You know, it's cool. <laughs> I, I just wonder who would actually, like, care about that. Like, we would obviously be in horror fans, but, like, <laughs> most people would be like, huh? Anyways. Uh, next email is from Jacob. He says, this movie is so weird for me with the meta nature of it. The sequel is being distributed by the company headed by the father of the Menendez brothers, and he was killed before it came out. Also, the actor who played Evil Ed left Hollywood to do gay porn. Just so many weird behind-the-scenes things relative to this movie. Yeah, that's, that's about right. I always find the whole Menendez brothers connection kind of weird, too. Like, mm-hmm. you guys ruined uh, Fright Night Part 2. For that, you should stay in jail for the rest of your lives. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But, you know, Stephen Jeffries did do, I brought it up before, and I'll bring it up again, 976 Evil. Which, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of this one. Uh, It's classic. I saw it in VHS years ago, and I just absolutely love it. Because it's all kind of like... It's basically about uh, people who dial uh, this this number and get uh, uh, supernatural powers. And they turn into, like, evil killers and stuff. And it's just so, so crazy. Uh, It was directed by Robert Englund. Weird. Yeah. And, I mean, that... It came out uh, four years after Fright Night. Huh, huh. It was 1988, so same year as The Blob, and written by Brian Helgeland. That is so weird. <laughs> the poster literally looks like it has a head on the poster. Yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, and uh, um, Stephen Jeffries' uh, IMDb picture is from 376, uh, sorry, from 976 Evil. Wow, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mike says, says we would be on my mount much more of 80s horror alongside Return of the Living Dead, The Lost Boys, uh, Monster Squad, Night of the Creeps, and Friday the 13th. Well, you had me at Friday the 13th. Yeah, I, I agree. Um. No, that, that's a good Mount <laughs> Rushmore of horror. Um, Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I can agree with that. I'd maybe throw the thing on there, you know, the Cree. I would definitely say that if we're doing a Mount Rushmore of horror, this this is definitely going in my vampire slot. I feel like I I don't know if there's any other. I don't know. I guess maybe I should maybe do a, a, a like a vampire movie night to to determine my favorite. But the just the atmosphere of this movie and like the I do really like the lore. Like I like that it's it's got all of the horror movie lore to it, but done in a way that isn't super cheesy so this this is like my my vampire mount rushmore kind of for sure well i guess like you had near dark which we've covered on this podcast which was yeah which was also a vampire movie and like the lost boys but it's interesting between fright night near dark and lost boys they're all very sort of doing the vampire story in their own unique ways. Like it's not a straight up adaptation. It's not Mary Shelley's, you know, story more or less. It's doing its own thing, which I think is really interesting. Um, yeah. And I, I think, you know, you saw that with like return of the living dead too, right? Like very much a re- sort of revisionist take on what the zombie movie is. So I think the eighties was a good time for that. Like you can do your own weird take on a well-established kind of story type. So, 
Um, yeah, I, I'm always. I, I think just because of what, the timing, of what I saw it, it'll always be kind of like Lost Boys for me. Uh, Near Dark came way after, but uh, like a few years after, as far as me seeing it and really appreciating it. And so, Near Dark, like now, would be in my like establishing like like vampire like uh, Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I mean, I always got to bring it back to Lost Boys because maggots, Michael, you're eating maggots. How do they taste? I love it. Just love it. Uh, Lost Boys is just such a weird movie, but I love it all the same. So good. <laughs> um. All right. Let's get on to some awards. Best line. I know he's annoying, but I did go with Evil Ed's. Oh, you're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> And his laugh, yeah, very, and especially to end the movie with that too. Yeah, uh, I that that was on that was kind of at the top of my list as well. I'd have to guarantee, uh, I'd have to go with that one because as much as I hate Ed's character now, uh, that line is so good and it's so indicative of the whole the whole movie. Yeah. Also, the Welcome to Fright Night for real always gets me too. Mm-hmm. It's and it's not just the line, but it's just how it's delivered and the ambiance and all that stuff. Like it's just that's so good. I liked a lot of the lines um, from I think his character's name is Peter, um, where like you don't see him for a while, and then when you first see him and and Charlie's coming in and like trying to convince him to help him, he's like way more concerned with his fame pretty much like you can tell right off the bat like he asks him for his help and he's like oh you want my autograph and he's like no i don't want your autograph and he goes well what could be more important than my autograph and as it kind of really sets the tone for his character and then later when his friends come back um charlie's friends go back to peter to be like we he's crazy we just need you to help him like see the light basically yeah and he goes on this really long rant about how he's got all this other work to do and all this stuff um, and then Charlie's girlfriend goes, well, I'll give you money. And he immediately, like the, the flip is switched. I thought that was, that whole scene was really funny. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. This movie's got like a lot of great, like one liners. And I think that's the one thing about eighties horror movies that I always love the most. It's like, there's so many zingers and you could tell like mm-hmm. the writers were either high or having a great time or both. <laughs> when yeah. these movies, cause it's like, it just seems like everyone's just having a great time writing this movie and, uh, it shows, um, Best performance. I, I, I feel like it's going to be a tough race to beat Chris Sarandon. He's just yeah. so yeah. good in this. I would agree with that one. He's my favorite. Yeah, uh, I don't think I could say any other other than him. And I, I do like um, the guy who plays Peter Vincent, but he he feels like he just doesn't have enough material compared to Chris Sarandon, who literally like like owns every scene he's in. Whether it's the club scene or at the house or even just out and about, like whenever Chris Sarandon is on screen in this movie, he is completely possessive of the scene and it, it's so mesmerizing to watch him. Um, uh, yeah. And, and I, I mean as much, uh, and I love Roddy McDowell and I'll always love Roddy McDowell cause he's such a, uh, a special talent and, and a special piece of Hollywood for so long. Uh, and he even has his uh, his his mask from uh, uh, that was the cast of his face from uh, Planet of the Apes yeah. is on his mantle in in his house. Uh, and we have not touched on because we keep touching on the remake. We haven't touched on David Tennant's Peter Vincent, oh. who was fucking phenomenal. He reinvents that role into like this 
fake Chris Angel thing, and it's fucking brilliant. I yeah. love it's, it. It's so good. And as yeah, as much as I love Roddy McDowell's Peter Vincent, I always go back to that Peter Vincent because I just it works like the the modernization that Chris, Craig Gillespie did to it is so brilliant and uh, it's such a microcosm of what was popular at the time too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I mean, I have a little bit of bias because I, at the time, <laughs> especially when I was when I went and saw this in theaters, I was like a huge Doctor Who fan. So mm-hmm. seeing David Tennant in anything was like, oh my god, this is amazing. But mm. I, he did, I, he did such a good job in that role. I was actually a little bit skeptical going into it because a little bit too of this perception I had of him as the Doctor in Doctor Who was kind of silly. And so mm-hmm. when you saw him in Fright Night in like a horror movie, it was uh, it it was so good. I I didn't rewatch the remake for the podcast, but now just talking about it, like I have to, yeah. I'm probably going to rewatch it today now. Yeah, I I I love the remake too, and I think it works really well. Um, yeah, <coughs> both both books are just well worth watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, best kill in the movie. Uh, uh, the uh, keep. Why do I keep forgetting what his name is? His helper. Oh, oh yeah. Is his name Billy something? Is yeah. that or is that the actor's name? I can't remember. Oh, I fucking I love his death. I love the green goo out the leg. Mm-hmm. There's just so much. There's so much that that works. And, that and, and the was... sliding skull, the skull that slides across the floor after is just it's so far. Yeah, it's Billy Cole because the actor's name is Jonathan Stark. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that was a, an evolving death because first he gets shot a couple times and he doesn't die. And then when he actually does die, there's the goo and then there's like sand also that comes out and then he just ends up turning into a skeleton. It's I had I was writing a couple of notes while I was watching this scene and they were just like it kept going on and on and on. It was really good. <laughs> um would it be terrible if I said Nick Savage, who was also in Friday the 13th Part 3? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. I mean, I did. I always laugh when I see him because I'm like, you were a biker in Part 3, Friday the 13th Part 3, dude. Like, um, but, ah, uh, man, I, I'll probably go with, uh, I'd probably go with um, Vampire Ed, Evil Ed. Get the stake in the heart. That's just so great mm-hmm. how well done it is. And then he tur- uh when he he's the wolf and he's like transforming back into human form, but he's like in between and he's just slowly dying. It's just it's great. Um plus I'm gonna be completely honest, I just didn't like Ed that much. So watching him die was pretty pretty vindicated. Satisfying. Yeah. yeah. Although I, I guess it. it's kind of implied he doesn't die at the end, so but um yeah. Watching this movie um, slightly stoned, I was a little confused at first when the wolf popped up because I don't know if I had just looked away or something in, or if there's a scene that is very clear that the wolf is Ed. But I looked, I must have looked away, looked back, and all of a sudden there's this wolf out of nowhere. And I distinctly remember going, oh my god, are there werewolves in this movie? And then, of course, it gets like actually realize that it's not anyways that was just a random tangent but watching this movie stoned i was a little confused about the wolf for sure (laughs) (laughs) it definitely yeah it's definitely a little kind of confusing on what's going on there but um yeah like it's one of those things where you could tell like the writers were probably high speaking of being high and they were probably (laughs) like dude what if like i turned into a fucking wolf and be like that'd be fucking rad 
Like, <laughs> and you know I what? mean, it was pretty cool. I mean, I'm here for it. Um, but yeah, no, it is kind of funny because like a lot of these 80s movies, you can tell they were probably doing some kind of drugs or drinking and they just thought the ideas and I mean, it kind of doesn't fit in the movie, but it's also so cool that you're like, uh, it's kind of hard to, to hate on this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Best kill. Um, yeah. Steve, did you say what your best kill was? Yeah, it was Billy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Billy, Billy. yeah. And the, a lot of people are unsure of who the hell Billy was, like, because it's he's not a vampire because he walks around in daylight. No. Um, uh, do you know what? It, it immediately reminds me of, like, like uh, Renfield. Yeah. Uh, or like like that he's he's sired by this by the you know the vampire to to be his keeper to to house him and to take care of him in the times that he cannot do anything right yeah mm-hmm. it's almost like uh, who Oscar is in uh, who Oscar is being groomed to be in Let the Right One In yeah. And it's weird because he seems almost like he's a manservant, but then when he dies and he turns into, like, this green goop in sand, you're like, oh. Um, I've seen some people speculate that, like, uh, apparently vampires can, like, summon, like, sand golems or something like that. Like, uh, something like that. And that's what he was. So, I'm like, wow. yeah. There's a, whole, there's a whole bunch of theories as to who Billy Cole was in this movie. but uh, They did go with, like, a lot of... Almost, kind of like traditional movie vampire lore for this, so I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled random stuff for for that kind of thing. Yeah, It is a little confusing in the movie, though, because they definitely don't, I feel like they don't explain it well at all, who he actually is. Like, at first you just think no. he's, yeah, he's like a human watcher, basically. But then he explodes into goo, and he doesn't die from multiple gunshot wounds, so something freaky. Yeah, something's going on there. Um, dumbest decision in this movie. Um, Charlie is just, like, just be a little more subtle about what you're doing, maybe? Like, he sees them take the coffin in there, and then next morning, he's breaking into the cellar door. Like, chill a little bit, I think. Yeah. I would probably... Charlie's got impl- impulse control problems throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he basically gets frustrated with Amy that he's not getting laid, and then she's, like, ready to do it, and then he's just like, yeah, I don't fucking care anymore. He has, like... It's ADHD or something. Like, he can't focus on one thing once he gets distracted, you know? Yeah. I would say them calling Jerry to tell them their intentions was pretty stupid. <laughs> like, really? You're going to tell the guy that you're trying to kill that you're coming for him? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. That seemed pretty dumb. I mean, and whatever. I think it sort of gets to the kind of idea that, like, like they're to be polite. Even though they're they're antagonists towards each other, but it does does really stupid that they'd be like that. So, um, cool, cool. Uh, yeah. Um, any dumb decisions in this movie? Mm. Well, then I'm. I mean, every everything that Ed does. I mean. He bitches about uh, he bitches about uh, um, Charlie wanting stuff from him. Then he does something for him for eight bucks. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, way to sell yourself short, pal. Yeah. It was kind of that thing. I think he has a line afterwards that's like, well, can't not take a fool's money or something like that. And I was like, dude, you are not the smart one in this. You are not getting one over on Charlie. (laughs) Cool. Uh, I think it's time time to score this. this. What would you guys give a score to? Uh, Fright Night's a nine. It's a nine. I also rate the remake the same as well. Uh, it is just that much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I have to go with that one. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I would say nine. I almost want to, if we're rating the remake too, I almost want to give it a ten. But it's been a while since I've seen it, so I, I'll hold off on that. But this one is a solid nine. This one of my favorite vampire movies, I would say. Oh man, I want to give this a ten. I think I'm just gonna give it a ten. And I love it. Mm. Yeah, it's it's just one of those seminal like '80s horror movies. It's so good. Um, cool, well, Steve. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Steve Dead. Uh, you can find my website stevestebbing.ca, uh, and then I am on the shift with Drax across Canada radio. Uh, at 9 p.m. on, or sorry, 9 p.m., 11 p.m. on Thursdays. Uh, and every now and then, if there's something happening in the world, uh, entertainment world, uh, the host there right now, Shane, will bring me on. Like, we talked uh, Sean Connery after Sean Connery died and everything. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, Letterbox. I'm trying to get back onto being regular with that. Yeah. It's like I think I mentioned this on the last episode, but it's hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, Taylor, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, social media mainly. My username is Circeanic. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I am also on Letterboxd, but I probably update way less frequently than both of you. So I think I have like a review up for bad teacher and like one other movie and that's it and i'm thinking about just keeping it at that because that seems kind of funny but um other than that i have a website circeanx.home.blog and that's pretty much it anything else that i do i usually post there so yes uh yeah i'm on letterbox too uh fiddle koala on there um and I may be actually, uh, there's a new thing at Letterboxd we're launching where it's sort of like based on media organizations that they're getting us in on. So that'll be interesting to see where they go with that. But uh, I, I can't really say too much. They haven't said too much to themselves yet. So, um, but uh, yeah, check out that. Uh, I have reviews up of Freaky. My last four in terms of recent activity includes Freaky, which I gave a nine. Death House, which I gave a one and a half out of five it was just terrible uh borat two which i gave uh four and a half out of five and then riding the bus with my sister which i ironically gave <laughs> five, five out of five what the fuck so here's the story about that i was watching gilmore girls and like randomly they're like let's watch riding the bus with my sister and I was like, wait, is this actually a movie or did they just make this up for the show? And it's an actual movie where Rosie O'Donnell goes full, yep. full, full yep. R word. Uh, and it's both amazing and the worst movie of all time. So, Oh my God. Oh. Uh, my, the, uh, mine's kind of like, because we had a really good week last week for, for movies. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I mean, the Costner movie, Let Him Go, I really dug. I, I, I quite dug that one. It's kind of like a like a rural, like, noir-type film. Uh, and then Jungle Land with Charlie Hunnam and Jack O'Connell is fucking phenomenal. Mm. Really good one. Uh, the Kid Detective with a- Adam Brody. Uh, like, super, like, solemn and, 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 like, non-comedic, broody, like, detective noir story. And I, then... Um, St. Francis, which is probably one of my favorite movies of the year. I, uh, interviewed the director of Kid Detective. Oh, the uh, guy that did the dirties. He wrote, he wrote the dirties, which is a fucking great movie. Yeah. Evan Morgan. He's a really smart guy. He's, he, yeah, that movie is great. Go watch. It's so good. It's so good. And, uh, you know, it kind of reminded me of Brick. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. 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 Uh, so go watch Riding the Bus with my sister. Then go watch <laughs> <Kid Detective. laughs> That's your real takeaway here, listeners. Uh, and then you'll hate us forever because, well, Kid Detective's great, but Riding the Bus with my sister, not great at all. Okay, until next time, everyone. Bye for now. <laughs>